This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening. Welcome to Blurring the Lines podcast. This is episode 32. And I'm co-host Adam Bell, and joining me always is my co-host Peter Nicolaitis. Hey, Peter. Thirty? We've done this thirty-two times. No, we've done it more. This is just episode Wait. thirty-two. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> Holy. It, okay, if you say so. Hey, great to be here. <laughs> oh boy, I was just listening to a, a couple of podcasts, and I'm like way behind on certain ones. So I was just listening to a few which were recorded pre-election. Uh huh. Which, which is awesome. So um, you know, and it was funny. I I got just as much out of them as I did, uh, you know, like fresh episodes from earlier this week. So I guess there's no harm in letting people know that this is Christmas Eve Eve that yeah. we're recording this. You know, it's December twenty third. Yep. And um, yeah, so um, we've got another funny sounding guy on the uh, on the line <laughs> with a with an accent, not terribly different from yours, but. A little less refined, I guess. A, a, a little less refined. We did. I did uh, when I was inviting him to the show. I had. To, I told him, please don't cuss on the show. We're we're rated G. I mean, no child is going to want to listen to it. But they, we don't need any cussing. He's, he was very disappointed. Almost didn't want to come, but he came anyway. So. Oh yeah, I mean, because <laughs> he is such a foul mouth. I remember. Yeah. I remember one time I heard him say, "What was it? I think it was Tarnation." Tarnation, Chuck Tarnation, yeah. Oh, no, maybe it was IT Nation. Maybe he was going to a conference. Maybe that was maybe that's as close as I've heard him. So. Yeah. Anyway, so, so why don't you introduce our special guest? Okay, so today I've got Kevin Landers. He's the uh, owner of Fully Involved Solutions. They're a respected IT provider in uh, Charleston, South Carolina area. Welcome to the show, Kevin. So thank you very much, and I want to begin by saying I have pity on those people who have listened to your 32 podcast. <laughs> Maybe you weren't paying attention, Kevin, but there have been more than 32 podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, we won't count those people. They, you know. I, uh, so, I, so. I guarantee that Kevin will now be a listener because he's going to have to listen to at least this episode. <laughs> He will, and uh, he's going to have to hear all the things that we're going to have to say about him on an ongoing basis. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see this as being the peak of your podcast, and uh, glad I could oblige. <laughs> so, in other words, we had Kevin on the podcast, and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there's that way to look at it. Attitude. Yeah, that's yeah, one way. Especially since you'll refuse to ever invite me back. Just <laughs> yeah. imagine, just imagine what we're like to the people that we don't like. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, so Kevin, what's going on? What are you? Uh, what are you doing this fine Friday afternoon, right before Christmas? Well, I am living the small business owner's dream, and that is, <laughs> I am rushing to finish 
work for clients. I am rushing to pack stuff in my bags. I have just jumped into a vehicle that I am pretty sure if I'd waited a couple more seconds would have been moving before I jumped <laughs> yeah. into it. Um, and we are headed to wonderful, beautiful Asheville, North Carolina to begin our Christmas holidays with family. So that that is me. Coming All right. Coming to you at you know, 90 miles an hour breakneck speed down the interstate. Coming to you live. <laughs> so Live, almost. So yeah. are, are you driving or is summer driving? Summer is driving, and that's why we're driving about 25 miles faster than oh. uh, you know, any sane human would would want. Uh, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. I like to uh, refer to her as Mommy O Andretti. Mommy O Andretti. Well, Mommy O Andretti. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So it wasn't it wasn't enough that we were picking on you. You have to take your life into your own hands and and criticize her driving while she's behind the wheel. Too. <laughs> yes, I, I realize I just did that, and I'm already scared uh, okay. for uh, criticizing okay. my wife's driving. Okay, that's good because I was gonna I was about to say that you know maybe you uh, maybe you had a little more uh, I don't know what the term that I want to use, um, Adam, but more than. Than, uh, we thought but apparently not <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I would also like to revisit adam's uh intro of me about my cussing and all i will say is i will do my best but my wife is driving and if she cusses at anyone we're following it's not going fast enough i cannot be held liable for that so she well, might say things like get the flip out of our way or, or something uh, yeah josh darn it move that hunk of junk Tarnation? Um, Tarnation? Yeah. What about Tarnation? Tarnation. Yeah, tarnation. I love that one. That one's a good um, one. You know, were you born in a barn, close that door, that kid's hanging out? And yeah, <laughs> that sort of thing. I don't. Awesome. Yeah, I don't think of yeah. that when I'm thinking of uh, driving. <laughs> well, you know, you're yeah. in Tennessee. This here is South Carolina, baby. <laughs> South Carolina. All right. Yeah. Well, so we don't, real, we don't real... have emissions. We don't have any kind of per- permits for driving around here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so real quick, Kevin, tell us a, a, a real, real quick overview. Give us your elevator pitch. What's your, um, what's your, what's your work life like? Well, in my company, uh, our focus is kind of being a uh, virtual CIO or chief information officer for those who don't know the lingo. Um, for our clients, just helping uh, helping them figure out now that they got technology, now that their technology works because they've chosen us, um, what are they actually, you know, what are they trying to accomplish with it? How are we going to leverage technology to improve their business and, uh, you know, drive efficiency and, and help them on down the road? How can we deliver more um, to their customers as a result of the technology they're leveraging? And, um and so forth. So we dive into the business side of things uh, from budgeting to goals and visions for a company and how technology plays a part. And then we do all the back end stuff that, you know, a a company of our type would do, such as managing workstations, servers, networks, phone systems, anything that's got a wire. We're pretty much, you know, glutton for punishment and um, we'll give it a try. (laughs) And, um, and then just you know try to to build those business processes in so that uh, technology actually does something for them rather than just you know sitting on their desk collecting dust and running up the power bill. Ding! Elevators <laughs> at the third floor. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> cool. Cigarettes, 
there you go. <laughs> and so, um, what? Uh, like, who's a, who's a typical client? What is what is fully involved solutions? What's behind that name mean? And uh, and who's a typical client of yours? Uh, sure. So uh, our clients vary. We work with anyone. Really, we're about a culture industry. I mean, our clients uh, span a wide variety. Um, fully involved came along because we uh, have been working um, a lot with the emergency services industry. Um, so fire, EMS, that sort of thing. Uh, we have a, a bit of a niche going there. Um, but we also work with anyone from you know, real estate firms to insurance, um, uh, anything that's regulatory, such as uh, pharmacies or uh, medical-related businesses, and uh, just other professional services like insurance or um, construction or, or whatnot. So we have quite a variety of clients, but um, that also gives us an opportunity to have a variety of different solutions that we can bring to the table. Sweet. And how long have you been in business for yourself? Actually, uh, we are going into our 20th year. We uh, started in 97. Yep. We started in 97 doing web and graphic design. And uh, then I brought uh, tech to the table eventually as uh, computers (laughs) took off, so to speak, came a little bit more, uh, you know, prevalent. and um, yeah, we've we've been at this for 20 years, so we'll be celebrating the Big 20 uh, starting in January, and uh, we'll be doing a, several things to to celebrate that with our clients. Impressive, impressive. Yeah, That's cool. I just uh, I I didn't even realize that it had been that long. I thought it was newer because because um, Paradigm uh, is uh, just over 20 years old now too this year. Very cool. <laughs> who who knew we would be here? Who knew? Yeah. So, um, so we like to talk about work and life and the work-life balance. And as you said, you know, you are you are an entrepreneur. You founded this company. Um, you, you know, I know you do. A, I know a lot, Adam, and I know a lot about what you do. But uh, here's an example. It's Friday, and you're getting in the car, and you're getting scolded by your wife and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, so, is this a typical Friday afternoon, or uh, what? What uh, like who's minding the store if you're not there? What's what's going on? How can you how can you afford to take time off right now and not be behind the the behind, uh, crawling under somebody's desk fixing a computer or something? Well, first I have this adorable puppy here who's a guard dog, and so he fends off the clients after hours. But um, <laughs> when he's not doing that, sorry, I just mentioned that because he's starting to whine now. Um, so. Everyone, welcome Dexter to the show. Thank uh, you. There not, you go. Not the serial but killer. Yeah. Not the serial killer. He's more of a Cary Grant woman's, you know, ladies' man sort of puppy. You know, crazy Hungarian. But um, anyway, uh, you know, it comes down to uh, the same reason why we have a smaller shop than most. It's that we bring to the, you know, we bring to the table a lot of. Um, software development experience, a lot of uh, automation experience. And so a lot of that flows into how we run our business. And that is we want to work smarter, not harder. We want to be efficient as possible. And we want to do as much with less as possible. So um, so we get around that by, um, you know, by automating things. A lot of, I'm sure you guys have probably talked with the, uh, on the podcast about um, being proactive and whatnot, uh, <clears throat> not waiting till things blow up to fix them, but you know, monitor for them and fix them before they 
they uh, happen, uh, mm-hmm. problems with computers and whatnot. And that's, you know, we, that's what we do. We leverage technology, we automate things, automate solutions. And um, that allows us to have, you know, oddly enough, moments where we can step away from the phone, step away from the computer and know that everyone's taken care of. Yeah, I gave up on uh, all that. Nobody uh, wants to pay for that. So I just gave up and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to let it break and I'm not under any sort of contract to fix it. So I'll show up at my, you know, at my leisure. I will charge you an arm and a leg when it breaks and um, I'll get rich on an afternoon's work and you'll hate me. That's what I decided (laughs) to do instead. Well, and then there's that approach. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I could have done it that way. Uh, just yeah, we're doing this other way. But um, yeah, yeah. Hey, so, to each um, his own, you know. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, you that's, know that, and then that's also why, as business owners, you you build a team, and you sometimes you look at them and go, "Guess what? I'm stepping away. It's all on you guys." And so, <laughs> you know, so sometimes there's that. But no, we we are fortunate to have uh, you know have so far built a really good team and um, to also have you know planned ahead on things so that we just fortunately we don't have as much breakage and let's also be honest it's the christmas holidays most of our clients don't call us right now anyway so uh you know let's record this on tuesday it might be a different story next week might be crazy yeah mm-hmm. well and kevin's also uh looking to fill a position at his company so if you're listening and living in the south carolina south carolina <laughs> <laughs> Either one of those locations, we're looking for hiring. We have offices in both locations. It, it, so are you not in South Carolina or are you in North Carolina? We're in South, South Carolina, but I think you said South Licorina or something. I don't know what you said. We'll have to rewind and uh, check what? that later. I'm not sure what you said. South, yeah, I, I, said Char- I said Charleston area in South Carolina. Okay, well, it totally sounded weird here, but uh, <laughs> yes, we're in, we're in Charleston, South Carolina. It's just, it's just your accent, Kevin. That's all. Everything sounds <laughs> yeah. That's right. Even my ears here with an accent down here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk slower, think slower, right? <laughs> yeah. Who knew there was such a big difference between Tennesseans and South Carolinians? <laughs> yep. Well, so. there you go. So, so what? What other interesting questions do we have for our guest, Adam? Oh, I I don't know. Um, I've got a uh, my neighbor. I'm a uh, Kevin can weigh in on this. So my neighbor uh, ha- has his uh, young children come over and bring me uh, a loaf of bread and a and a Christmas card. Like, oh, nice, thanks. And and he comes out and he's look. He looks really rough, like. <laughs> Like he'd slept in and has allergies acting up and and uh he said well he quit his job he was uh getting ready to uh trying to figure out what he wants to do and he was considering or his wife's got a side business and he's thinking about doing that and and uh he was looking at you know just running his own company i said well, have you ever read the E Myth? <laughs> he said, N- n- "No." <laughs> I said, "Well, that's okay." I said, "I said, you know, I explained it to him, and he's like, oh. I, I said, I think I've got a copy. I'm going to bring you a copy.' <laughs> because he uh, he didn't have a clue. 
<laughs> well, now, so so to that point, for those of our listeners who have not read the E Myth or the E Myth Revisited, there by Michael Gerber, mm-hmm. um, what what what's the underlying point that uh, he was not aware of that probably should have been prior to starting his own business? the the main The main premise is you got to work on the business, not in the business. And he talks about that at a very high level. And uh, he does a good job of explaining uh, what a, he refers to a person as a technician, somebody who works, them converting from technician to business owner and um, how to survive the, what do you call it? The entrepreneurial seizure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so when you wake up and go what did i do <laughs> so that was 20 years ago for you kevin <laughs> oh no it's just happened multiple times <laughs> i was gonna say usually that <laughs> was a one time event yeah, that doesn't that doesn't just happen right off the bat. You know, early on, it's like the honeymoon. You know, you get your first few projects, and you're like, "This is awesome!" And then it's usually Best people. Best decision who, ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, usually in I'd say somewhere in the first like three months or so that people start to have their first experiences like that, and then usually in the next six to twelve months, that's when it's like, "Oh dear God, I have no idea what I'm doing," and you know, then the businesses <laughs> generally fall apart. Yeah. yeah. Don't what? don't forget their first uh, their first trip around the calendar in uh, March fifteenth. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> well, a lot of them don't even make it that far, and I know of multiple businesses who uh, said, "Oh, yeah, nobody ever told us we had to pay taxes." Oh, so yeah, those are always good ones. It's like, yeah, that's that's uh, that's great. Yeah, let's not throw stones now, Peter. <laughs> 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 hey, I pay taxes. <laughs> I'd like to throw stones at the people collecting the taxes sometimes, but I hate taxes. Oh. They did stone uh, tax collectors in olden days, right? I mean, they olden. <laughs> olden. There you go. <laughs> olden. The olden days. Yes. Uh, it, so. it took me about 18 months to get over the, uh, I, I hate this, I'm going to get a job. No, this is awesome. You know, that, that big vacillation. It took me about 18, I guess about 24 months, and it was like, yeah, I don't ever want to work for anybody ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, you know, yeah. uh, and like, like, yeah, and we've touched on this in my, um, on, in recent episodes, not so much with, with Kevin, um, and I don't know if you've been keeping him apprised on my activities lately, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, I've been working an extended contract with, you know, what's now amounted to be my largest client and I'm on site there, you know, generally two, three days a week. And it's, you know, it's a corporate work environment, but I'm loving it. I'm, I'm really, really surprised, but it really uh, makes a huge difference with the the people that you have to work with and the type of work. I mean, that just makes all the difference to me. So, mm-hmm. so Kevin, uh, you've been doing this for 20 years now. What is the, and you know, you've, you've sort of touched on some of the, or you've hinted at some of the, the benefits and stuff, but what is your biggest frustration with being a business owner? What do you like the least about it? I would jokingly say customers and employees, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, they might be listening. Uh, so, uh, no, I guess the uh, the frustration is always knowing. Uh, is first, I guess it's one is the the gut wrenching question where you go, 
am I doing this right? And there's never an answer, a perfect answer to that question. I mean, you, you never 100% know that you're doing it just right. And, um, and I guess the other would just be, uh, you know, with that in mind, planning for the future, you know, you're, you're heading down one direction. I don't know if, uh, if you either of you have read or even talked about on the podcast, the book, who moved my cheese. Um, but you know, the idea that what, uh, okay. Did I mention I was driving down the road? I'm not sure y'all heard that. Um, we, uh, we, we heard that your wife was driving. Did, yeah, you, did you guys switch positions while we weren't uh, paying attention? Uh. No, we didn't switch, but, uh, you know, we, we were talking earlier about, uh, drivers in South Carolina and how we have no, uh, regulations. And, uh, yeah, anyway, one of those type vehicles just drove by. Um, <laughs> so you might want to edit this, but, uh, the book who moved my cheese is really focused on, you know, those who are so focused on what works today are going to wake up tomorrow and be really unpleasantly surprised when they find out that that does not work tomorrow. So you have to always be thinking ahead and figuring out, okay, how is my industry shifting? How is my industry changing? How are the industries that my clients are in changing? Um, Because the solutions that we bring to the table, while they may change based on how do I manage computers, et cetera, if we're really bringing value to the business owners that we work with, we had to know what their industry is doing, or at least have some kind of finger on the pulse. And I think that for me is probably the biggest frustration is, um, especially over the last 20 years, is it seems like, you know, technology is moving so, so fast, much faster and changes are happening so much more rapidly that it's, you know, it's the frustration of keeping, keeping on top of the game and um, making sure the rest of your team is, and making sure that, you know, the solutions you're bringing to your clients are, are what they really need. Um, I think that's probably my biggest frustration. Smell the cheese often so you know when it's getting old. <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> and always be going out looking for more cheese to make mm-hmm. sure where has it moved? Um, um, where is it going to move? But the best part of that is move with the cheese and enjoy it. Exactly. Um, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, I had to read that. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki actually made me read this book. Hmm. Yep. I, it, it was on my list of books to read, but I confess I never did. So, uh, no, I mean, it's just like... You could read I've, it in an hour. If yeah, that. no, I'm sure. I, I've, and, I've, and for those of you like Peter who don't like to read, they do have a cartoon, I believe, now. <laughs> on YouTube. Like that. <laughs> it's, on YouTube. Yeah. Who's you She's on YouTube. Perfect. 96 um, pages. But yeah, I would say what? It's 96 pages for those no, who I don't can... don't read good. Yeah, well, anybody like in our field in you know in technology in general, it, it does change a lot. Just our own you know, our own fields, let alone what our clients or our customers might be doing. So right. yeah, things are changing fast, but I, I, I think I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know of any other industries where things are changing faster than they are for, for us, you know? Um, it's, it's Absolutely. pretty, it's pretty wild. I mean, you know, fundamentally I'm doing a lot of the same stuff that I was doing 10 years ago. Um, but the way in which we do it, you know, the stuff, stuff has changed a lot. 
And it's, it's really interesting when I come across a client and, um, so Kevin, just for curiosity's sake, uh, do most of your clients have any sort of IT staff of their own or do they sometimes have someone that you help or do they always have IT staff you compliment or does Dexter bark a lot or, or what? Dexter doesn't like other IT companies. So that was, that was his, you know, refusing to, no. Good boy, um, Dexter. Good boy. That's right. Um, Wow. So do your okay. do your clients do your clients usually have IT staff of their own or or are you and your company it? Usually our company is it. We do have some clients that have we have very few clients that actually have someone who does something for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have been in a role where uh, we actually with one single client we went from running all their IT to assisting someone half time to helping them actually place a full-time person in that company. So, um, so I can say historically we worked with all uh, yep. those scenarios, but um, majority of them, they don't have it staff and right. um, you know, we fill that role. Well, where I was going with that question was, did you ever come across companies where the IT guy or maybe the previous IT guy or whatever had had done things and you're like, you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember how we, you know, when we used to do things like this a long time ago, but nobody does oh, this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Or, wow, I remember when, no, we never did anything like that before. <laughs> um, and, and I don't mean that in a good way. Um, I, I, yeah, I just had a conversation. I, I can think of a couple of examples, but we've come across plenty of, you know, systems with 30, 50, 100, you know, systems or so where the IT staff, for example, is applying patches, you know, and software mm-hmm. updates manually right by hand Mm -hmm. and the same with like Mm -hmm. antivirus definitions and stuff and it's just like uh, it's um, amazing it's it's like i don't know um like like typing out a letter to you know uh, typing out the same letter a hundred times to a hundred different customers of yours instead of doing a mail merge or even like typing it once photocopying it and then just going back and filling in their names or something. Uh, so when you think of stuff like that, it's just, it's just nuts. But, um, I was just curious if you, if you come across that, uh, you know, a lot or or a little, yeah, we, you know, yeah, we do. I mean, uh, a lot of the times we, we come across something like that. I mean, right now I can think of one client where when we came in, uh, the guy that was quote doing the it was, literally grab an external hard drive and once a week or so would walk around the office to all 30 machines and quote, do backups. Um, <laughs> you know, and when we just did the math on how much time it took to do that and then do the math on, you know, uh, if seven days go by and you lose seven days worth of work because he hadn't been around or he's sick or whatever, then, you know, what have you just opened yourself up to? And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, unfortunately the math doesn't lie, you know, you can have in your mind what the situation looks like, but when you actually put it in black and white on paper, um, yeah, there's no disputing the math. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we, we encounter that all the time and probably in places that you would never expect. (laughs) Um, 
um, you know, one that comes to mind is, uh, you know, in government. I mean, we have a lot of clients that fall within that government realm, and you would think that they have all those things locked down tight, and you walk in and they're running off of, you know, a router that they bought at Best Buy. And, um, yeah. So what's, what's wrong with the router that you buy down at Best Buy? Uh, well, you know, it's not nothing wrong with it. If you're, you know, the Chinese military or something, you want to ask somebody. <laughs> Did you guys, uh, In that case is perfect for the job. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. All right. What other, what other questions we have for him, Adam? I do have a question. I said, as, as you're taking a drink. Yeah, I do have a question for you, and if this needs to be taken offline, it's fine, too. Um, do you guys deal with the .gov URL in acquiring those domain names for your clients? I have not. Uh, yeah, I have done that once, and it was more of directing them to where they had to go and not actually doing anything to, to make it facilitate it. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I... We'll just take that offline at another point. I've got a buddy, another buddy who runs an IT shop here locally, and and uh, he gets quite a run around with the uh, with that particular deal. So, but anyway, anyway, so the uh, so today, uh, kind of switching gears a little bit, uh, I've started the uh, Christmas eating fudge and drinking eggnog and uh, packing in the calories. Or, have you started doing any of that yet, or are you waiting until you get to the in-laws? Who are you asking? I'm asking Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin? Okay. Sorry, I feel like I'm getting interrogated today. The whole show is all about me. Um, this is wonderful. Where have I been? I've been missing this show. <laughs> um, Enough about me. What do you think uh, about me? <laughs> exactly. Uh, no more applause. Okay. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Um, uh, yes, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it, it started arriving in bulk. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, you know, USPS and UPS and FedEx and all the other companies that ship things, you know, for the devil. Um, <laughs> have been getting shipped to me in the form of fudge and chocolate cookies and, oh, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm... Not looking forward to the results of this holiday from a health perspective. <laughs> well, you just start running. So my my uh, my oldest daughter, she's uh, 15. She'll be she's going on 16. But uh, we don't we eat pretty healthy at our house, you know. So we don't we. I mean, we balance things kind of like the food pyramid. I mean, we've got snacks and it's, but my wife decided she wanted some uh, sugar wafers. You know, those wafers that are mm-hmm. you know, made of sugar. Then they got a uh, a layer in, in the middle that's like, I don't know, it's, it's sugary. Well, anyway, so my oldest daughter got them and she started eating them and she's like, what is in these things? Sin? Because I can't stop eating them. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, 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 I've got to find, now that you mentioned that, hold on a second. Uh, I've got an article to put into the show notes. Uh, was hilarious. It was a list of, I think, top 12 or 15 uh, foods seen on MyFitnessPal. Uh-huh. And they include things like, uh, well, you know, let's take a let's let's take a quick quick aside. We'll go through them real fast. <clears throat> Number one, <clears throat> excuse me. Wait, give give me a moment while I wait. For- 
oh. code because the site's always really taking oh. its sweet old time. You'll appreciate this. Here we go. 16 weird and hilarious foods. We'll just do a couple. Number one, cat food. <laughs> and my Fitbit. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, number, lose it. Number, number two, everything with 10 to the 38th power calories. <laughs> number three. The Tears of My Enemies. Nice. <laughs> Number four, Blood of the Innocent. Human, four pints, one serving, 340 calories. Uh, number five, Tears of Small Children, half a cup. That's a good one. Um, number six, Life-Changing Loaf of Bread. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, that, you know, that's what reminded me when you got the, the, the you know, what is in these things, right? Yeah. Uh, num- Must have been number King's s- Hawaiian Rolls. Number seven, yeah. I do not regret this. <laughs> yeah. I do not regret this. 20 cups. Number of servings, one. Calories, 1,000. <laughs> uh, number eight, love. One serving, zero <laughs> calories, no nutritional anything in there. <laughs> this one's great. Number nine, regret. <laughs> yeah, filled with regret. <laughs> serving size, one heaping pile. <laughs> um and then as we round it out uh number 10 regretting this gut busting toe costing diabetic nightmare number 11 too much booze (laughs) serving size eight ounces or more comma maybe (laughs) kevin i seem to remember you indulging in uh, number 11 on a couple of uh, meetings that we were uh, had down in uh, in nashville uh number 12 om nom 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 number 13 turkey dinner with everything imaginable serving size one cup bigger than life (laughs) one million calories uh number 14 nightmares and here's the okay number 15 this is what you were talking about there uh adam guilt-free cookies (laughs) yeah and then no finally number 16 the last and probably the best one hot fudge sunday one scoop with whip and a world of regret <laughs> but nowhere did i find sin cookies that was probably yeah <laughs> you know i think they should actually rename thin mitts to thin mitts now Sin Sin mints. I like that. I like that. Sin mints it is. Cool. Cool. (laughs) What do we wanna talk about beer? I think we should talk a little bit about beer. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, Being from uh, the South, uh, it's not a topic I know anything about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, b- beer is a recurring uh, topic on this podcast, mostly because Adam has been brewing his own beer for a long time, and I just started. Um, last Christmas, oh, wow. my, my Christmas present uh, from my godson and his dad was a, uh, a Mr. Beer brewing kit, and... And I've got to count now. I think I've made five batches so far, and the sixth one is is brewing now. But uh, as a little early Christmas present to myself, I ordered uh, a bunch, a number of different <laughs> gifts, and a second keg. 
So um, I think we've talked about it before. Like my cousin uh, a few months ago gave me his five gallon, uh, you know, uh, keg, but I, I don't have a place. I, it's too big. I can't use the thing, <laughs> but I do have room for a couple of, you know, small two gallon kits. So mm-hmm. the, the, the Mr. Beer kit. So that works well. Uh, so I bought a second one so that I can have two batches going now at the mm-hmm. same time. And that'll be fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I got a selection of different ones this time. A uh, Like an Australian lager. That's going to – I'll wait on that one. That's going to be a summary one. Yeah. A porter. I think Kevin and uh, Summer and Dexter just got into an accident, it sounds like. <laughs> They've been uh, pulled over and they're being asked for their papers. <laughs> could be. Could be. Um <laughs> I got a, you know, like I said, a dark porter. I got another couple of uh, Oktoberfests and Belgian whites that I've made in the past with great success, uh, and a few others. So um, I noticed that they came. Uh, there were four different packets of yeast, mm-hmm. and three of them were the same, and one was different. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't look on the the documentation yet, but I was wondering if you had any insight as to why <laughs> they would be different. Well, this particular one. So you your your other ones were a dry ale dry ale yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pink packet is a dry lager yeast. Okay. And lager is a German word that actually means to store. I think that's the literal term for it. But so a lager you have to wait for. So originally they they put their beer and this yeast in a cave and let it sit for months. And a cave temperature is in the 50s. Just like Mm. this ale yeast is, it will not work in your house in the 70s. It will not start fermenting until uh, it's in between 53 and 59 degrees Fahrenheit. So, so I gotta leave those in the basement. <laughs> you gotta leave it in the ba- in in the winter basement if it's about that temperature down there, uh, or you have to set up a refrigerator at a reg- at that regulated temperature, and it's gotta sit a long time because <laughs> it's a slow acting yeast. Mm-hmm. So it's typically I don't uh, I don't ever do loggers just because I've done loggers but they take so long that. It's just not worth it. I'll go buy a, uh, I'll go buy a logger. But it, you should do it so that you'll have the experience. Well, there you go. I've got time. <laughs> well, this is this is good though because it sounds like it's going to take a long time. I can have a, like a quick batch in one and uh, not so quick in you know going in the other. Mm-hmm. Now I have to figure out though which of those that it, it came with. The um, Australian. Well, it says it says you got it over top of the Australian sparkling ale. Um, it, that would make sense because it's going to make uh, what are the oil cans called? Um, Fosters. fosters so it's gonna make if it's that recipe it's gonna make that fosters like and you can you can pull off the fosters like taste even with an ale ye- ale yeast um, and it will go in the temperature that you want you've also got a couple other things you're gonna want to consider um, is that you don't have a primary secondary or you don't have a primary You've got a, you do not have a secondary fermenter, mm-hmm. and you've got some really heavies there. You got a porter, <laughs> and you've got the imperial ale, yep. um, 
and I can't. I see the Oktoberfest, but I'm not sure what's under the Oktoberfest. Uh, the under it's the uh, 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 Belgian white. Okay. Or so, Bavarian, Bavarian Bavarian white. So your your lighter ales can can do what you've been doing them just the the primary but you're going to want to run a secondary fermentation uh, to get that bulk of sediment out of there and you're Mm -hmm. just going to want to let it sit for another uh, two to three weeks on Mm -hmm. that porter and and on the um, the imperial Blonde and ale. so what does what does that mean in a secondary fermentation exactly okay. so what that does uh so you've got a plastic my my primary fermenter is a plastic white uh food grade bucket it's mm-hmm. a five gallon uh but the oxygen will break down that plastic if you let it right. sit in there too long and so, you've mentioned that to me in the past mm-hmm. so you yeah. do you do one week in the primary and then you rack it off into the secondary which is a glass it's a five gallon glass carboy and so you'll leave behind all that sediment because you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot of hops and there's a lot of just yeast sediment fallout uh that's going to leave a nasty taste if you let it hang out in the beer for another two weeks Uh, Uh, so to to leave that behind but the fermentation process will continue it'll be significantly slower but in that secondary fermenter when you get done you'll see at the bottom there'll be a a slight film at the Mm -hmm. bottom of sediment and it's going to be very fine and when you when you do rack it off there to bottle that you'll leave that little bit of sediment behind but the the sugars are not done yet because there are so many sugars in there it takes a lot longer it takes three weeks sometimes four weeks for for a porter or a stout to finish fermenting and you Mm -hmm. can tell that with your with your brand new hydrometer now that I have one, yes. <laughs> now that you have one. And uh, it's a good thing that I did because I was gone uh, for the last, uh, I was away from home for almost two weeks. And while I was gone, the thermostat, you know, was in away mode and the temperature in my house went down into the, like the 50s. Mm-hmm. So it would be a total guessing game as to when that current batch I have would be ready at this point. Mm-hmm. So this point now i have something to measure this so maybe i can make a more educated uh guess (laughs) well you know and it's funny because i always use i always use ready to pitch yeast so i I buy liquid yeast from from my uh my store here and i store it in my refrigerator well i had a smack pack of a dry or, or a kolsch a Kolsch I love yeast. all these terms. Ready to pitch, <laughs> smack pack. <laughs> well, have you heard of a smack pack? No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't. I don't like the smack pack. But what it is is it's a it's a. I mean, I don't know what you. It's like the the metal um, plastic container. You know what I'm talking about? Like a Capri Sun is in. You know. Okay. It, so it, now, it, now you're speaking my it, language. No, so, I, I don't drink. So, so. Early with you now. <laughs> but it. <laughs> Why but you it, start with that? <laughs> but it's shaped like a Capri Sun, and then inside it, there's a packet, a small yeast packet, within inside of that, and there's two layers. So on the outside, within the packet, there's like the sugar water, and then there's the yeast, which is an internal packet. So what you do is you take that Capri Sun packet in your hand. You squeeze the yeast packet inside to where you need to go, and then you smack it. 
like in your hand you you smack it and then you break the packet inside of it and then you shake it up and then you set it out for three hours and the yeast will get started in that I don't like those because I've missed the yeast packet before and you think you've got it and you're like, oh yeah, it feels good, but uh, three hours when, when you're ready to pitch, you, you open it up and it's not broken. So I just use, I use the white labs where it looks like a beaker with a top on it and it's liquid yeast and it's ready to pitch. So, but anyway, so I had a smack pack from last year for Christmas when I did it for my corporate clients. I'm like oh this yeast is expired it won't go bad in the refrigerator but it may all be dead but i was like well i don't know i'm i there's got to be some live yeast in there because really it doesn't take very much to get it started and and i pitched that because uh, i'm doing an amber cerveza and i used that kolsch yeast in the amber cerveza uh, and it took it it took it a good 48 hours to get started because it was it was mostly dead uh, but it did it kicked up and you know started getting the full full boil I, I guess it's not a boil I don't know what the chemical term would be uh, but you you experienced that that same deal yes. with yours your your yep. yeast went very inactive but it just took longer it will go the the risk that you take is you may get taste it may taste a little funny because sediment has sat there longer and you may take the chance that something gets in it like something to mess with the taste like a, a you know a growth that you don't want because once that fermentation starts the alcohol kills anything that could be in there you know it's ster- it essentially sterilizes itself so it gets it right. you want that that fermentation to kick off as soon as possible so the alcohol starts so I may have a different taste to it that I don't want. Hopefully, I won't because I I sterilized it significantly before. So we'll see. But that's a so riddle riddle me this then, Batman. Okay. Um, for those of us who don't like the taste of beer but prefer like the hard ciders, like an Angry Orchard or a mm-hmm. uh, Woodchuck, mm-hmm. what? What would they be look? What if I wanted to start brewing and I wanted to do something like that? How would I go about doing that? What's the difference? Or do you have any experience with that? Yeah, so I brewed a hard cider uh, last year, and hard cider is actually eat way easier than than brewing because you don't have to boil it. You don't have to do anything. All you do is get the apples. Like uh, some friends of ours, their their parents have an orchard, and they brought me back. Uh, they brought me back three gallons of apple cider, and you could taste it. And it was it was nice. It was actually a little um, a little tart. And uh, I mean that was okay. It was just kind of the the nature of the apples. And all you do is pitch the yeast. So you put the cider in your in your bucket. You get your yeast in the bucket, and it will ferment the whatever fermentable sugars are in that apple cider, and it'll make it into an alcoholic beverage. You can do that with any fruit juice. <laughs> it, it'll <laughs> it may not always taste like what you want cider's good because cider will go into a nice hard uh hard cider it'll get a it'll get a carbonation and it's it's easy to drink and it tastes very much like the apple cider so whatever it tasted like originally it's going to be real close to that in the hard cider well there are so also some other things you can add fruits 
Uh, blueberry is a common one that can really change the flavor. Raspberry, I don't like raspberry. Uh, cherry can change it, uh, but blueberry is probably the most common that um, non-beer drinkers will drink because it'll give it a you know that fruity blueberry taste. Not quite blueberry as if you're eating like blueberry yogurt or something like that, but it'll give it a nice aftertaste that people are like ah it's beer but it's not too bad. <laughs> so, but. It's still beer when it all comes down to it. And now there's root beer. I don't know if you have you had any of the hard root beer. I, I do not believe I ever have. I I've not made it. Um, I I it's I'm sure it's not all that difficult. But uh, you know it's pretty amazing that it it tastes like root beer because it really is just an ale with a lot of vanilla flavoring in it. Is that what makes root beer? Yeah. A lot of, lot of vanilla in root beer. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I did not know that. Huh. <laughs> I've had hard root beer. I had a, I've had a few different ones uh, this year. One was uh, not your father, not your, not your grandfather's. Yeah, I, Is that I it? think it's not your. Gr- yeah, it's uh, not that, your, yeah. That one, um, Coney Island. Yeah. And then uh, the best damn root beer you've ever had. One of the, those three. And out of the, I don't remember. Um, uh, unfortunately, best damn one is uh, not the best damn root beer that I've ever had. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. They're not your father's or the Coney Island one, but uh, I definitely preferred one of those. So, yeah, but it, uh, I bet it was the not your father's root beer. Uh, I I had that one too, and it's a it's a five percent alcohol, five point nine percent. The only bummer is you. I mean, it's you drink it and it's so sweet. I mean, <laughs> you're like, whew, I had one of those. I don't think I'm gonna have another. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm thinking that it might have been you know something like the uh, the other one, the Coney Island, might have been more agreeable. I think I might have observed that it wasn't as sweet. Not not certain though. Mm-hmm. So I've got I've got in the hopper. I sent you the picture. I've got the amber cerveza, and I told you the story about that. You you understand or you know why it's called an amber cerveza, don't you? As opposed to just a, okay. So I'll just explain. Just a it. regular a, cerveza. Yeah, regular <laughs> cerveza. Yeah. Well, as opposed no, to why it's why it's called an amber beer as opposed to beer. No, actually, why it's called a cerveza, not called a beer, and it's it's well, not comes from from comes from Mexico, of course. Well, yes, and <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, but what makes a cerveza is um, when Germans came to America, they yes. they brought their beer with them, and they yes. know, of course they're bringing their beer, they're bringing their yeast, and so they bring their German ale yeast. So yes. their ale yeast in America, you know, North America and Mexico is in North America. Uh, it's got to be German ale yeast and then the beer ingredients here. That's what makes it a cerveza. So oh, I was not aware of that. I just mm-hmm. knew that that cerveza is the, the Spanish word for beer. Mm-hmm. So. But, but it is it is prepared with a German German yeast, and that's what makes it a cerveza. Of course, if you're in Mexico, obviously beer is cerveza, but it, when you're classifying it, like uh, Dos Equis is a cerveza, yep. Um, yep. All, all that class. Because so, it was the funny. One I, I, <laughs> the one I have brewing is a cerveza now as well. So, A buddy of mine who brews, I was telling him I was making an amber cerveza, and he's like, 
why do you keep calling it a cerveza? Just call it a beer. I'm like, well, it's it's a classification. He's like, what? And then I explained the whole thing. He's like, oh, I thought you were just being a, a smart aleck. You know? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> I typically I am, but not today. Not today. Okay, good. good to know. <laughs> Well, they so you uh, before we leave the the beer, the yeast packets you got, that's a that's a changer. I mean that that has really changed in the last I don't know recently in the last two or three years when I bought a beer kit, it actually mm-hmm. included yeast because typically it's just a a dry ale yeast. That's what came yeah. with everything. That's so. and that's the the difference. You notice that the um, the kits that I got, you know, um, most of them are like double the normal size mm-hmm. from the other ones. The the you can see the the Belgian white and the um, Oktoberfest sitting are the the normal little what is it, about a quart I guess, mm-hmm. and the others are uh, look like they're about two quarts, <clears throat> and. Um, the smaller ones, you, they have a little plastic cap on top of the can, and you peel the plastic cap off, and then the yeast is under that. With the big ones, the yeast packets were separate. Mm-hmm. But so. that's why I always bought my uh, liquid ready-to-pitch yeast, because I wanted a specific flavor to go with it. I didn't want just yeast. I didn't want it just to ferment. I wanted it to give it a specific flavor or or mm-hmm. mouthfeel. Well, mouthfeel is not that, but I want it to be bitter. You know, if you, I like a, I like my stout to be bitter at the end. You know, it feels like, man, I just had a grapefruit in my mouth. You know, <laughs> where you can do a uh, a sweet ale yeast, say a dry ale yeast, or you know, you want it to be sweet. If you're doing like a uh, uh, like your Bavarian, you know, you want something that gives an orange estery aftertaste. You get a yeast mm-hmm. that can really enhance that. Where if you put it the bitter at the end of it, you're like, ooh, this could be good, but it's, well, I can't figure out what's wrong with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I need to double the orange. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, then. There you go. <laughs> So we're we're actually getting close to the top of the hour that we've uh, we've killed an hour with Kevin. Did you? Uh, <laughs> did well, you? Want, there were a couple other things that we may need to save. I, I actually would like to hear about your uh, penetration testing, but I don't think we have time to go into that today. Yeah, we'll cover that next episode. Okay, cool. Uh, and then we also wanted to talk about maybe we have time for Kevin for you to describe Carver. We're we're sh- we're sw- switching gears back into IT for a second. Totally switching back back from beer back to work now. Back yeah. <laughs> uh, man, you know, totally just you know I was so excited I thought we were <laughs> done with that but I guess okay. <laughs> with my arm. All right, let's talk tech. And we are currently on the fastest route, just so you know. All right. Um, for those, yeah. Sorry, Google uh, interrupted my uh, my opportunity to speak. <laughs> um, so, okay, you want to speak with about Carver? Uh, what would you like to? Well, what tell, would you like to know? Tell me why why is it different than you know like installing. Uh, Norton antivirus on there with an anti-malware and firewall package. How, you know, how's it, how's it better? How's it Certainly. different? Well, uh, 
Well, in some ways it's similar. In some ways it's doing uh, the same thing that antivirus would would do. It's looking for malicious um, files or, you know, activity or whatnot, uh, things that just don't seem to to be normal. Um, you know, it's, it's doing those type things. In fact, some, some people would probably, uh, say that you can leverage their technology and, and totally replace, uh, antivirus, um, kind of come from the frame of mind of, uh, you know, security should be like layers of an onion. Um, you know, you just should have more, the more layers you can add, the better. Um, so, uh, in some ways it does the same thing as antivirus in the same way, uh, it does the same thing as malware protection. Again, that's looking for different types of malicious activity. Um, the couple of things that are different about it, um, it will, uh, well, I guess it depends on what products you're comparing it to, but things that, that I found really nice about the, their product is, uh, that first of all, it will actually, uh, stop the activity. It'll, it'll basically shut down the processes. It runs at a kernel level. For some of you listening, that probably means nothing, but it, it's really running really deep down in your, inside your computer, I guess is a layman's way of putting it. Um, and, uh, so Peter should be able to get that one. Um, and, uh, basically it's running there. It's also running at the user level, uh, which is mm-hmm. where, you know, those of us interacting with the machine are, are usually running at that user level. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, most of us usually are. Um, and uh, basically, so it's able to detect things at different levels of the operating system and, and stuff that's going on. But because of that, it's able to stop it. Um, so, for example, we've had a client that had a uh, infection that hit their Google Chrome web browser. And whenever the Google Chrome web browser opened, it would start launching uh, items in the background. And Carver was actually able to detect it, and it would actually shut down Google Chrome. Um, Made it a little difficult for us to actually figure out initially what was going on because all she was doing was opening Chrome, and and it was killing it. Um, But but it did that so that it would prevent the, the... you know, the activity from continuing further. The other thing that's really nice about it is more from the forensic side of it in that Mm -hmm. if you do have an outbreak, um, the software and the people monitoring on the back end, which is a whole other thing, um, are able to tell you, first of all, where the infection started, how it began doing what it was doing, all the processes that it called and, you know, where it started running 50 million different things. Yep. Um, it'll trace all that, but it also will be able to give you an idea of whether or not data actually left your machine or your network. Right. Okay. So um, what we're, you know, what you're describing just, and this is exactly what I suspected. Uh, you're, you're describing the marketing pitches identical to, uh, Silence, uh, with their optics yep. add on or Sophos, uh, and their new intercept X product. So they're all they're all doing the exact same thing. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing breathtakingly new. Yep. Um, yep. There are. I'm just saying now it's, it's familiar. It. It's familiar, and I yeah, think what's uh, carbon black. I think. Uh, what am I thinking of? Carbon black or bit nine or both? 
one uh, of the both, one, or one or more. Yeah, they're all uh, so that's all. Yeah. So it's next generation antivirus or next generation malware protection, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so you know, so again, it's going to give you ideas of whether or not you lost data, which you know, then you know whether or not you need, you had a data breach. I mean, that's the biggest thing our clients have asked us is how do I know whether or not someone's actually got my data? Well, with the Nortons, the Webroots, the uh, McAfee's, the AVG's of the world, you have no idea. I mean, there's no way to tell you. Um, not with just basic antivirus. And what's um, really cool about those two is I saw a, um, a demonstration, the, the Sophos demonstration when I was out at their mm-hmm. partner conference this summer. And it was really awesome. You know, and again, they all do the same thing, but this was the one I saw this demo of where mm-hmm. they tracked down an infection to, uh, you know, a user receiving a malicious PDF in an email and clicking the link. And, mm-hmm. you know, it analyzed the whole process tree showed what files were uh you know or accessed when it started to encrypt it invoked shadow copies to restore the encrypted files so that you know Mm -hmm. it's like a built-in recovery from ransomware so it was really neat but what was the most impressive was just a week or two prior to that i had just finished the um sans uh security 504 class uh which is Mm -hmm. uh, their incident handling class and part right. of it was we had to do that exact same process as a lab. And that took me, I forget how long the whole thing took, but it was like between one and two hours. And right. here seeing, you know, like, so you just like click on the logs and boom, there's the report. Like five seconds later, it shows you everything that happened. Exactly. And I was like, okay, I'm obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was a day of my life that i'll never get back yeah exactly so when i saw that i was like i want this but in classic yeah. fashion you know most of my most of my clients uh, didn't want to pay for that but uh at the hospital uh right now um i have been uh, the lead on deploying their uh silence implementation for the last few months right now and we just Fair. barely started rolling out uh, optics which is the one that gives you that historical uh, forensics data and stuff so now we just have to wait for there an infection so i have some uh, some data to look at <laughs> there you well go. well and the thing that that it, it sounds like of course I've, I've never used that either of those any of those products actually the thing that sounds nice is actually knowing uh whether there's what is still there because that's the thing anytime a client gets a virus i don't care how big unless it's just like pop-ups that they got and they're cleaning up if they get anything it's like wipe and reload well why because i don't know i don't know i mean they they could put a single file on here and still own your machine yeah but there's an important piece there's an important piece that you missed and most places miss uh and uh, my you know current projects are no uh exception and that's backup wipe and reload you, you want it if you ever want a chance of knowing what happened on that thing you, you've got to have the evidence you've got to preserve it yeah. and the problem is that you know i've run into several instances where i get there and they're like well we need to know what happened i'm like okay let, let's see the the machine well here it is and i look at it I'm like this looks perfectly clean oh yeah well we wiped the hard drive and reinstalled the operating system and all the programs last week exactly so so what you're saying is that you took industrial strength bleach sanitized the entire crime scene and now you want me to come and find dna (laughs) (laughs) a little late for that people (laughs) 
Yeah, we're actually dealing with just that scenario right now. We picked up a computer from a client yesterday that got infected with uh, the new Osiris version of Locky, uh, which is ransomware for those who don't know. Um, and that was the first thing we began doing, told them, hey, we're going to make an image of this machine because right now there doesn't appear to be a way to decrypt um, without paying the ransom, obviously, but who wants to do that? Um, so, you know, we started by making an image of the machine and I told them, you know, if we can't access volume shadow copies and grab previous copies of your data, or if your backups are no good, then we're just going to keep that image around because A, we need to figure out how it happened and B, more importantly, if there does become a decryption method available, we can go back and hit that image and decrypt the documents, you know, worst case scenario. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the key thing, the key thing for anyone using a computer is always back up. <laughs> period. We've covered and before that. Before you that ever go to do anything bad to your machine, back it up. Before you do anything big, and yeah. Yep that that was uh, that was actually a, a topic we covered our first uh, maybe not our first episode, but it interspersed in the first dozen or so episodes were heavily. Um, skewed towards how to deal with ransomware, mm -hmm. and so we, we covered we covered that in a fair amount of detail. Not uh, you know not super technical detail because it was geared towards a, a like a business owner or an average user. But yeah, sure. you know you, you got to have good backups. And oh by the way, they shouldn't be directly attached to the machine that you're backing up because those will probably get encrypted too. You know, correct. <laughs> yeah. so, correct. So, yeah. Well, we've had that. Discussion. Well, so Peter, in February, we are doing another conference on that, and I'll be covering backups. So I was told, I was told, uh, well, uh, you know, it was kind of funny. He reached out to me directly. He didn't have to go through you, but uh, Tim told me that I was on there, and he said he was supposed to send me the uh, website where it is so that I could modify the bio, because I had a couple of corrections for it. But supposedly I'm going to be on there. So so would you um, tell Tim to rem remember to send me that info that he was okay. supposed to send me? All right, I'll do that. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he... He can only talk to you like once a year, and you know that yeah. was that was it. So maybe that in January he's gonna save up and wait till February. Right. <laughs> well, a bit of an inside joke that Kevin probably doesn't get, but uh, you know, basically, like Tim, Tim and I aren't allowed to talk to each other, so everything has to be you know, like Adam, tell Peter this, or Adam, tell Tim that. So. <laughs> what? Well, and he he said, yeah, I love it. He said, well, okay, I'm gonna put you down for the backup and and network security uh, expert. I'm like. Uh-uh, not with Peter. I mean, between the two of us, the network security expert's going to Peter. <laughs> like, he's got certifications of certifications. That's, uh, I mean, I can talk security, but why would, why would I let the dude who knows more than me sit over there in the corner quiet? <laughs> this guy's got so many certifications, his certifications got certifications. <laughs> well... And I'm assuming you both don't know, but I'll be on that same conference. Uh, I will be covering cloud, cloud environments. Oh, wow. So the whole gang's yeah. getting yeah. together. The gang's huh? all here. Absolutely. I, I actually knew. I was waiting on you to chime in. There you <laughs> see, go. See if you were going to admit to it. He told me. Yeah, he told me, if you don't, if you don't come and be on my podcast webinar, we're going to come here for dinner and lunch every day of the week. 
Well, that's enough right there. And on that note, I say we wrap up this episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Peter, you want to wrap us up? Take it out. I think we're good. We're gonna. Uh, we've got enough com- uh, uh, yeah, content. I don't think we need to uh, go into any more details. But uh, make sure you check out the show notes for those great MyFitnessPal uh, food add-ons. Have yourselves. Um, well, by now, I'm. I hope that you have had yourself a merry little Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Ramadan around this time this year too no I don't think so whatever it is you choose to celebrate <laughs> and a happy new year yeah yeah yep yeah, well and this is a live release we're re- we're releasing this afternoon so this will be out oh before. this is actually on time yes yes oh, that's right I forgot all about that so so maybe maybe people will not have actually enjoyed all of those yeah, <laughs> holidays by now Hanukkah doesn't start until Monday well uh, Saturday yeah, I was gonna say it's it's this weekend. Yeah, yep. So, so, so yeah, my calendar's just wrong. Just out of curiosity, can can I can I sign off for you guys on your <laughs> year sure. ending podcast? Well, well, we'll do another one next week, but you can do this one. Okay. Well, you can also copy and paste me on the next week's as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! Before well, you go, before you go, yeah? Kevin. I just received a, an email from Sophos, which says that not all ransomware tools are created equal. I just figured I'd share. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. It was the timing. It was good fellow timing. Fellow Sophos user. I, I use Sophos. Love mm-hmm. Sophos. Didn't know mm-hmm. Inter- Intercept X actually did what you described. So yeah. I will be taking a look at that as well. So cool. But, are you ready for me to sign off for you guys? We're, we we're ready. Great classic, traditional holiday fashion. <laughs> ready. Here goes. Here goes. We're thanking you for joining us on our podcast from the hap, hap, happiest <laughs> this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> Have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> So, with that, Adam has to actually edit the show. <laughs> oh, come on. Everybody's got to appreciate Christmas vacation. Come on. <laughs> oh. Well, three of you have a Merry Christmas, Kevin. <laughs> you, thank you. You I, too. You too. <laughs> See Thanks, ya. guys. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Big red button. Big red button. To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.